Welcome to Truman's Matrix. A podcast built around the craziest headlines around the world. A production of Digging Deeper Media, owned by Hale Multimedia. Where you don't know who's watching who, or who's controlling you. And we have the big heist. Yeah. This was the title that I decided to come up with. And also that logo. When you found that picture and we talked about putting this program together because it's an it's an invention of our mind here. It's a Truman from the Truman Show and the Matrix, that show. And we thought it's kind of right now today's upside down world is kind of like that. So it's Truman's Matrix and this is some twisted yellowish DNA strand here and tonight's episode is the big heist. Now there have been a lot of rip-offs in the world. The Bernie Madoff scheme, scam, mm-hmm. you know, the the whole 9-11 deal. Right. There are a lot of money moved out there. The whole uh, farce of getting a president from another country. We got a lot of interesting scams going on in this country, and there were a lot of big money that happened in stock market crashes and rebuilds Mm -hmm. and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. and we all know about George Soros and all those investors and the big players. So we, we know there's a lot of stuff going on, but I did not know, and neither did someone who's been studying history for years and years and putting on demonstrations for us. Glenn Beck did not know this information that he is about to reveal to us now until just recently. It's amazing. It's earth-shattering. It's unbelievable numbers, and it's the big heist. So... Before we show you the big heist, it is April 1st. (laughs) Glenn Beck decided to go out on a tirade or rant about how sorry he was. How sorry, how sorry he was that he had been picking on George Soros and saying bad things. Do we have time to watch this? Should we take a look at this video? It's it's seven minutes. It's funny. It's funny, okay? <laughs> it's so, enjoyable. <laughs> this will lighten us up a little bit. Truman's, yes. Truman's Matrix is going to include, uh, it's called The Big Heist, but it's a lot of things that are being stolen, a lot of uh, fake and a lot of deception, okay? Including this, Glenn Beck's apology. There's deception in that. The... Report on inflation, and that's Mm -hmm. the big heist that I was talking about. We'll tie that together. And then, of course, another report we'll do here is the Ukrainian passport situation where all these refugees are showing up in these other countries with a Ukrainian passport. We found out that one in three is fake, so there's big money being made there. Big money. Big money being made by those fake passport creators. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Also, the House passes a huge bill. I mean, this is big if it actually happens. The Senate will probably not vote for it. But if it happens, it could be huge. It could be huge. Mm -hmm. And 
will just tell you how big that is going to be when we get to that article. And also, is this Truman's Matrix? Did we talk about Russia? <laughs> Do you have an article in here about I Russia? I think it's in there, yeah. Uh, okay, so the Russian people are not our enemy. The Chinese people are not our enemy. Mm-mm. Ukrainian people aren't our enemy. But Russia, I think it was our ambassador. No, it was uh, their version of Tucker Carlson. Their version of Tucker Carlson. <laughs> okay, the Russian Tucker <laughs> calls for Trump to return to the United States power. Yeah. To get to because reinstated. Rein, they Reinstate need, Trump. That's yeah. what he wants. So yeah. this is the triumphant return of Trump again here, <laughs> uh, because Russia wants it. <clears throat> All right. So anyway. Let's get going on here. Let's look at this uh, this first part of his radio show that Glenn used today to apologize to one of his true nemesis. And no, it's not Woodrow Wilson. You you just can't apolo- You just can't miss this apology. You got to check this out. Let's take a look at this. So you were flagged. <clears throat> I was flagged. But then <clears throat> that's what I thought. You know, I like oh well, they're just saying. And then I thought to myself, wait a minute, maybe I have all of this wrong. Maybe I have. All of this wrong. And as I was thinking about it, I mean, I tossed and turned all night. And I thought, you know, if I have that wrong, oh my gosh, I have to get on the first thing. Because I always say I lead with my mistakes. I have to get on and do one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. And also one of the most important things. You know, come on this program humbly before you and admit that I have been wrong. I'm just a man, you know. I have an ego just like any other man. Prick me. Do I not bleed? But I've made a point of always being truthful with you on what I see. And and when that changes, when I find that I've allowed myself to stray down a dark, dark path away from the light in which I believe God shines on the proper path, I have no choice other than to make it right. So today I'd like to start the show with a public apology to a man I've been wronging for literally, oh, almost two decades now. A man whose reputation I have helped sully and whose life I have no doubt impacted in a very stressful and negative way. I used to take joy in that, but no, not any longer, because new information has landed on my desk. Yeah, I got it from YouTube. This is a conspiracy theory. And then it all started to unravel so today uh i have to admit that what youtube did blew all of my previous assumptions about one man to absolute smithereens and so today i say george soros i'm sorry i'm very 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 sorry because i remember when i called you the king on the chessboard And I said that Barack Obama and Michelle Obama were just pawns. Do you remember that? Or those times I referred to you as the puppet master or the head of the snake. I don't know what I was thinking when I said those things. Honestly, because all I have left at this point is honesty. George, I I don't know. Maybe it was a little bit of jealousy because you catch all the hot babes. 
Maybe it was me hiding behind anti-Semitism. I, I, I don't know, George. And I feel so bad about the head of the snake or the puppet master and all of that stuff. And, and it, oh my gosh. And then I thought, you know, I never even got around to calling you the devil's geisha, you know, or the, or the pe- poor man's skeletor or the wolf in wolf's clothing. I didn't even get a chance to call you pepperoni eyes or the Reich man for the job <laughs> or old clawfoot. Hard to imagine, George, but it could have been worse. But I don't want that to taint, taint this apology. Gosh, I remember when I said that you were behind the collapse of Southeast Asian currencies, those countries that won't let you in without arresting you. Oh, my gosh. Talk about being wildly out of line. I think I must have relapsed into drinking there for a while when I said that because now it's just a total shameful blank to me. And all those times I talked about you wanting to destroy and then replace the capitalist system. Oh, glug, glug, glug. That's all I can say at this point. You know, at one point I talked about the nearly $30 million that you pumped into basically buying local district attorney spots and installing radical prosecutors for around 11% of the entire population. I ranted and I raved about the massive crime that's spiking in every city that you touched, all the while never realizing it was part of a bigger and better plan, George. You see, I didn't take into account that you clearly did in the wake of a movement to defund the police through the United States. You were giving those police something positive and important to do like anything else but police. I talked about a massive chunk of the 37 and a half million people now living under these Soros-appointed district attorneys, that they were minorities. 15% of the entire black population of America is living under one of those Soros-appointed attorneys. 16% of the entire Hispanic population I never once stopped to think, I never once stopped to think that maybe you just wanted to put all those poor, marginalized people under your massive billionaire's wing to protect them. That you were protecting them from all of the outside harm that could happen. Oh, George, I stoop so low to call you spooky dude, pepperoni eyes. And that's just unacceptable. I made fun of your thick, cartoonish, supervillain-esque accent, which was childish. I've often noted that the massive bags under your eyes make you look like the Emperor from Star Wars. In fact, I've compared you to him, I mean, for a lot of reasons. Gosh, I had even had the temerity to put your face on the cover of my latest book, The Great Reset, because... I genuinely thought you were a part of something that was going to destroy the American economy and bring our nation to its knees. Oh, George, 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 George. I was so blind to your true intentions until YouTube cleared it up for me. It's a conspiracy theory. I just couldn't see what you wanted to do was just to fold this entire free country up under that same rich, powerful billionaire wing just to protect it from itself. Oh, 
pepperoni eyes. I am a deeply flawed man, Mr. Clawfoot. But I am not above reproach. I am not above coming on this program before God in the world and admitting that I have gotten it all wrong. And if you can find it in that big, warm, American values-loving heart that I used to say didn't exist at all, forgive me. Forgive me. I'm even wearing my Team Klaus shirt today. I'm... Hang on, what? Uh, wait a minute, I'm... I'm getting, um... Wow, it's April Fool's Day. Uh, gosh. Uh, pepperoni eyes. I'm sorry for the apology. I'm so sorry for the apology. I didn't know it was April Fool's Day. <laughs> I'm such a fool. Okay. Yeah. Now, no fooling on this one. This yep. this is one that we're hoping is actually going to be true here. Uh, but U.S. House of Representatives passes a bill to federally legalize marijuana. Actually, decriminalize. Did you write the headline legalize or was that someone else's headline? That was the, the headline that was on it. Well, legalize and decriminalize are not necessarily the same thing, but we'll have to dig deeper into this because the U.S. House of Representatives, sponsored by good old Jerry Nad- <laughs> Nadler, <laughs> says uh, that, hey, we're going to decriminalize and take the marijuana plant off of the federal schedule of substances. Mm-hmm. Under the Controlled Substances Act, yes. Right. The U.S. House of Representatives voted to pass a bill on Friday to decriminalize the use of marijuana at the federal level. The House bill, called the Marijuana Opportunity Reinvestment and Expungement Act, or MORE, M-O-R-E Act, removes marijuana from the list of scheduled substances under the Controlled Substances Act and eliminates criminal penalties for an individual who manufactures, distributes, or possesses marijuana, as reported to the House. The bill sets a new path forward and would begin to correct some of the injustices of the last 50 years. The bill decriminalizes marijuana at the federal level, removing it from the Controlled Substances Act. This change applies retroactively to prior and pending convictions. Mm -hmm. 50 years. Whoa. Right. They're going back and letting people out. Wow. Whew. Now, here is that insane report that I was talking about at the beginning of this Truman's Matrix podcast. Right. Yes. How much money was actually printed? We were told $5 trillion. Okay. We're talking about in 2008, the big crash when Obama was going to be president and Bush was on his way out and Henry Paulson from the Treasury the said banks we, can't fail. Yeah, mm-hmm. too big to fail. We yep, need to yep, go yep. ahead and give out seven hundred billion dollars. Right. Seven hundred billion dollars was the first figure and the one that most people remember. The seven hundred billion dollar bailout. Yes. Well let's listen to Glenn's presentation because he lays it out much better than I could. Yeah, and it went way beyond that first $700 billion. He it said, did. remember that figure. Here we go. 
I want to show you how shady this really is. The 2008 official bailout, officially, TARP, which started the Tea Party because we were so outraged that the government would spend $700 billion on TARP. We thought that was crazy. Remember that number. $700 billion, your money, they just gave it to the banks. We were outraged. And then we had to spend another 750, you know, on infrastructure, 750 billion. So about 1.5 trillion dollars was spent just on these two programs. That was the Tea Party. Then the bank said, the Fed, well, all those banks, remember those banks we showed you, the 12? They aren't, they are struggling because they made some. So what we're going to do is we're going to take our own money, they print it, and we're just going to, we're going to buy all those bad assets for $3.5 trillion. So what they told us at the time that I recorded that was that they had injected $5 trillion into the money supply. Okay? That's what they told us. Here's the problem. Um, that's a lie. All of that is a lie. The problem is, again, the official number. It's not $5 trillion. A little misleading. The numbers have just been foiled by an independent group. The Fed fought with them all the way to the Supreme Court. We were never supposed to know the truth. These are sealed for two years, but then, then after the two years, the Fed was like, no, we got to seal these for 10 years. Okay, so we haven't known this. Since 2010, we had no access. These are the 2010 numbers they're just coming out with. We want to thank the Levy Economics Institute. They published these findings. They're the ones who got them released. Between 2008 and 2010, it wasn't this. No. No, they bailed things out a little differently. For instance, they gave Bank of America uh, 1.3 a trillion dollars. Then Merrill Lynch, love Merrill Lynch, they got 1.9 trillion dollars. Morgan Stanley, they got 2.0 trillion dollars. And Citibank, 2.5 trillion dollars. Now, I'm not very good at math, but I think those add up to more than this. And actually, no matter how bad of math I am, I'm going to add up and show you what the real number is. It's not $5 trillion. $29 trillion, a little more than the official $5 trillion that we've all been force-fed. Now, if you think, you know, you're upset now, Citigroup got all of this, Merrill Lynch, all of it, okay? That's mad. That's maddening, right? But did you know that they inflated our money, which is causing your inflation, and they didn't just give it to the banks of the U.S.? No, no, no. We were printing and loaning money out to banks all over the world. We gave billions to Scotland and to Germany and Switzerland and the UK and France and Belgium. We were never meant to know any of this. It was supposed to be a secret. At $2.5 trillion, 
The Fed effectively nationalized Citibank. It's also interesting, Citi, because Citi co-owns the New York Fed. Wait a minute. So it's like one hand reaching in, grabbing $2.5 trillion, putting it on the other hand, and that hand puts it into this pocket. That's what's happening. It's public-private partnerships all endorsed by the government. 21st century fascism with you paying the price. Now, this is horribly corrupt, but this is what they want for the entire system with the Great Reset. But now I've got some really bad news because this was just in 2010. Okay, uh, go this way. Uh, what's, what's really interesting here is what's happening lately. Because do you remember it was September 2019? Before anything was going on with COVID, and I was on this program and I was like, hey, something's wrong because they're, they're loaning half a trillion dollars loan to the banks per week. It started the first 24 hours. It was $50 billion. Hey, if banks are short, we'll, we'll loan you $50 billion and you got to pay it back within 24. And then it was, you can hold it for a week. And then it was three months. Now I don't even know if there's a time limit. It started at 50 billion, but the last I heard, we were doing 500 billion dollars a week. Okay, that that's was September. This before the coronavirus, and I said something big is coming. What is what's wrong here? Okay, well let me just let me just show you what's wrong. Because I mean, if you ever wondered any of that cash directed to foreign banks. Oh, the true year threshold gone by, information just released. Um, and we know now where the Fed was sending all of this money. Um, let's go to 3.7. Uh, that went to our good friends in Japan. Don't you love that? 1.5 went to the UK. Uh, 1.4 went to yeah, Germans. So we spent... We, we gave more. We gave more to the Japanese, the United Kingdom, and the Germany than we did our own system. Uh, I mean, officially. <laughs> officially. Unofficially. Not even close. We are not just collapsing our own system with this crap. We are spreading inflation on a global scale. Another prediction of mine from about 2007. The world will hate us. We have spent trillions and sent trillions to Japan. What's causing all this inflation? Ah, uh, hello. We decided, hey, is anybody having a problem with inflation? Yep, Japan, two-year high. Um, you know, the 1.5 trillion to the UK. Highest inflation in 30 years, so they're on our track. Uh, and Germany? Oh, they, you know, Germans love inflation. Uh, thank you very much, Fed. They're up. 24%. Highest since World War II. Well, who was involved in World War II? Oh, yeah. <laughs> All of this predates any of the massive amounts of COVID relief spending. As of now, the official numbers for that are $10 trillion. But they're not reporting the lending from the Fed. Those numbers aren't going to be released for another two years. Wait for it. Maybe we won't even find out. Okay. But let's speculate. Let's just let's just use what we know they've been saying. 
We know they've been saying it was a trip first a half trillion. Now it's a trillion dollars a week that they were pumping into all of those banks. Okay. So let's just do the math from April 2020 to now has been uh, 95 weeks since April. So again, not good at math. That's $95 trillion. Now, I don't know if that number is true, but it no longer sounds crazy to me because they lied to us about $5 trillion, and we now know officially it was $30 trillion. And that was without the global pandemic. Modern monetary theory is happening right now. So what happens? Well, you remember that whole thing where I got on the lift and we got up? That was about where that balloon is. Let me just show you how far we've taken it from there. Uh, go ahead, lift the, lift the bar up. It's just a little bit. We've inflated the money. If this were the graph that was showing you how much that hockey stick is going up, okay, it's going up a, a ways. Now, I can't show you the actual graph. Um, still got a ways to go. Wow, look at that up there, way up there, way past the lighting grid. That's now passing the third floor. We're headed towards the fourth floor of the studio. I, uh, well, I can't show you, you know, any, any, more, uh, any more of this hockey stick because the building is only four stories tall. But it's worse than this. Unbelievable, huh? Unbelievable, yep. That's just crazy. So we're going to go back to news and articles, minimize this here, Mm -hmm. and look at our next, excuse me, our next article. Yes. So they've planned the famine. The U.S. government has been paying farmers to destroy crops and livestock for years. This Mm. is a report from Natural News, but it's all stuff we've already heard. It's just a reminder, basically. Um, listening to the news these days, one is led to believe that everything is falling apart economically and agriculturally because Russia invaded Ukraine. The truth, however, is that this is engineered takedown of the global economy that began many years ago, and it is only now becoming visible. Mm. Two years ago, when the coronavirus pandemic was launched, It was being reported that the U.S. government was quietly paying farmers to destroy their own crops and depopulate livestock. This is true. This was reiterated about a year ago when actual farmers started sharing videos on social media about how the food supply was being tampered with by government officials. Mm -hmm. The timing of Russia's invasion of Ukraine is suspect because it occurred just as the consequences of several years of planned and engineered famine were really starting to become apparent. This provided cover for the media to blame Putin for even higher gas and food prices Mm -hmm. and the coming prospect of global food shortages. It's an absolute scam. It is. It's another scam predicted by everybody who has a brain. Yep. This is so easy to see. Mm -hmm. So they're stealing our food, too. This is a war on agriculture, and we do have several segments on that, and you can catch those on Digging Deeper Under Podcasts. The war on agriculture. It is true. We have farmers. Charlie Rankin is one of them. 
Mike Calicrate's another one. Mm-hmm. Adam. Adam Jones. Adam Jones, yep. They, they're cattlemen and farmers who can attest to this firsthand. Yep. And I mentioned this earlier, this uh, report that many Ukrainian refugees aren't really Ukrainian, according to insider police sources in Germany. According to the Bild newspaper, a police source said about the conditions on site, quote, only a fraction are really Ukrainian refugees, end of quote. Among other things, large families that are assigned to the Sinti and Roma ethnic groups are conspicuous, according to the police officer. They have brand new Ukrainian passports, which are also real. Someone in Ukraine is making a fortune right now, the newspaper quoted. The officer had said, An investigator from French newspaper Figaro found that approximately one in three people claiming to be Ukrainian refugees were actually Ukrainian. Mm-hmm. One in three. Yep. And more weirdness. Here we go. This yeah. is good. <laughs> Russia calls for Trump to be reinstated. Biden visited Poland and called for Putin's removal, while American elites call for his death. Now Russia calls for a regime change in America. They want Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> On Thursday, Edward Saul and Laura Witsky discussed the disasters caused by the Biden regime, sanctions on gas exports, and more. Russia demands that America's pay in rubles as our own economy falls into rubbles, all <laughs> while literal Satanist American mercenaries are being liquidated by Christian Russian soldiers fighting in Ukraine. Now, this is funny that Russia is calling for a regime change. Uh, however, it's not really funny, the situation over there, because this last statement Many people don't know, and I just want to reiterate this. We've heard this many times before. Maybe you haven't heard this, guys, y'all. But on February 25th, the Ukrainian president had set a date to kill Russian-speaking Ukrainians on the east side. Mm-hmm. If they did not comply they would be executed that included speaking russian russian speaking christian russians Mm -hmm. they were to be executed on february 25th putin knew about this and he wasn't going to have it Mm -hmm. just a little fact that you may not have been told on mainstream media But anyway, let's lighten it up a little bit here and let's look at these two talk about this. Stu Peters is actually on vacation because it's his birthday today. So happy birthday, Stu. Here's a video from the Stu Peters show on Russia calling for a regime change. Let's check this one out. Okay, so today, uh, while Stu's away, we've been watching, obviously, the geopolitical developments in the war between Russia and Ukraine. Now, um, Lauren, you, you hear the bloviating from U.S. commentators. Russia's losing. Everyone must support Ukraine. Russia's committing war crimes. We've got to change the regime in Moscow. You heard our, our president, uh, Joe Biden, went to Poland over the weekend, and he said, hey, we have to have regime change. He said this guy can no longer stay in power. And then quickly. Irresponsible messaging from a president. Like, 
it was very irresponsible. Yes, and it was. And of course, uh, that backed up with uh, the Republican end of it, with U.S. Senator uh, Lindsey Graham saying we have to kill Vladimir Putin. Right? This is this is the U.S. perspective, right? We have to kill Vladimir Putin. We have to overthrow the government of Russia, the other superpower in the world. The superpower with nukes. Okay, let's live in reality here. That's not going to happen. But okay, so that's been happening. Uh, the State Department walked back uh, Joe Biden's uh, sleepy and very dangerous commentary. And then now the Russians have a response. Laura, their, their response has been, we'll change your regime. Okay, so their version of Tucker Carlson, this is uh, Russia's state-backed television, their version of Tucker Carlson said, well, if you're going to try to threaten to overthrow our government, you're going to try to export um, your satanic beliefs throughout the world, well, we're going to have to consider maybe handling you the same way you're talking about handling us. This is what played on Russian television last night. And for our podcast listeners, this is uh, in Russian. Нам, нашему народу, пришло время призывать народ Соединенных Штатов сменить режим в США досрочно и снова помочь нашему партнеру Трампу стать президентом. He said it. Okay, he said it. Not only did he say, we'll change your regime, but we'll just go ahead and make President Trump president again. Can't say. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. Liberate oh, geez. us. <laughs> like, isn't that crazy? The position we've been put in. We absolutely can't stand having this uh, this half awake, completely puppet controlled leader who's trying to get us all killed. He is. He's trying yeah. to start a nuclear war. <laughs> yes. And his son and his own family is involved in bioweapon labs. We'll be talking about that in the next segment. But look. There's nothing good coming out of the Bayesian regime. They're hurting us. They're trying to poison us through the vaccines. But they're also trying to start a world war with the other major superpower in the world, other than China, of course, Russia. And you heard here, the Russians are saying, we're, we're done with it. Yeah. We're done with it. But you know, that, that was the Russian commentator saying this. You know what Vladimir Putin's saying? Because I'll tell you this, that president, that leader, has certainly got his head on his shoulders. I'll tell you, the people there are very proud of his leader. We're Americans. We, we'd love to see leadership that actually understood economics, actually understood how the system worked, was working in reality. We don't have that. What the Russians have, Lauren, is a judo chess player. All right, he, he's a master in judo, master in chess. And he doesn't just say random things. What he does say, however, is what they can actually carry out. Other than carrying out a conquest of Ukraine, the Russian government is now actually looking at what leverage they can uh, be able to uh, put into place through their gas exports. Now, you know this, Lauren, we've, we've talked about this in the past, about the, the Russian strength is their natural resources. And also the fact that they, they allow Europe to heat themselves through the resources in Russia. The exporting of uh, gas and also oil fuel uh, the furnaces in Europe, fuel the industry, anything that's built, anything that is uh, produced in factories comes in part for subsidization from Russian gas and oil exports, okay? The first thing we did as the United States when uh, the war broke out, say, where are we going to sanction? We're going to sanction the Russians. We're going to hurt them. We're going to stop them from being able to sell their oil. We're going to disconnect them, deplatform them from the world. Well, what the Russians are now saying is, uh, excuse me, you will start to pay for our oil and gas in rubles. All right, this is the Russian currency. You'll start to do that by April 1st. Or we're just going to cut you off. This is what Vladimir Putin said today. It's from these accounts that they will be paying for Russian gas, which will be delivered from tomorrow, from 1st of April of this year. If uh, such payments are not made, 
we will consider this as their failure to carry out their commitments by buyers with all the consequences. We don't uh, get anything free of charge, and we're not going to engage in charity either. Therefore, the current contracts will be stopped. I stress the situation in which the financial system of the Western countries is weaponized when companies from those countries refuse to uh, uh, to honor their contracts with companies and physical uh, persons when uh, euro accounts are frozen, it makes no sense to use those countries' currencies. So what does that mean? So what it means, Lauren, is that the Russians will only allow their gas and oil to be bought in their own currency. Right now it's being sold in euros to the Europeans. That's the currency of the EU. That hurts Russia because their assets are being frozen now in, in euros. The Russians are saying not only will you buy our resources in our own currencies, we'll help the, the price fall, the fluctuations of the ruble, which have happened due to the sanctions. They've recovered, but it's happened. It's, it's hurt the value of their currency, the buying power of it. What it also will now do, it forces the European countries, the customers, honestly, to start buying extra rubles. They have to hold the rubles in reserve. Now, what this means is, just like the U.S. forces countries to hold our dollars in reserve, and that means we get to do whatever we want with our currency. We can devalue it. We can use it to spend on ridiculous uh, you know, foreign policy packages. We can use it to, to send out stimulus checks. We can spend to the four winds. The Russians now are going to force the Europeans to hold rubles as a reserve. This means that when the Russians talk about denominating oil sales in either yuan or their own currency, this now has some punch behind it and it has a deadline. Look, April 1st is next week. Okay, this is March 31st. It's tomorrow. Okay, by tomorrow, yeah. we have oil and gas sales in the Russian currency. This means that Joe Biden's sanctions have failed. That's what this means. This is a gift, I think, that Vladimir Putin is giving uh, Joe Biden to spend the weekend thinking about. The sanctions have failed. The war, for the most part, has failed in the sense that the Ukrainians are losing. Kiev is under siege. Maripol has fallen. The Nazis there have lost. They won't be depancing and abusing the residents, the Ukrainian civilians anymore. They're going to be stopped. But the other part to this too, Lauren, is that energy prices, people don't realize this. We keep putting sanctions on the Russians. We keep saying we're hurting them. Do you know what's really hurting? The European people. Because when we talk about trying to force the Europeans to buy American liquid natural gas or our oil and other forces like Colombia, for example, it's going to be double the price that they're getting from Russia. When you do that, you force their price of their food and their goods, everything doubles in price for them. That causes a depression. Mm. We're about to send Europe into a depression. Europe's saying, is this really in our best interest? Right. You know, this, this is what it comes down to. Putin's not playing around. He's not. He's not playing around, is what she said. No. Nope. America is funding and arming and training Ukraine's neo-Nazi Azov battalion. Mm -hmm. Now, it's almost like we... Didn't we just watch The Hobbit? Like, when the five... Yes. What was that one called? The Five Armies. Yeah. Battle of the Five Armies. Yeah, mm -hmm. the Battle of the Five Armies. That was pretty cool. So, oh, our camera got bumped again. So anyway, we'll just be off screen. But the Battle of the Five Armies, that was very interesting.
Uh, and A Azov wasn't that one of the wasn't that the bad guy? Azog. Azog. Oh, mm-hmm. Azog. So this is very similar. We have Azov. Okay, and so what we are talking about here is the Azov Special Operations Detachment, or the Azov Battalion, is a fascist and neo-Nazi battalion that is integrated. It's an integrated unit of the Ukrainian National Guard. It was formed in 2014 in response to the ongoing anti-Russian, pro-European maiden protests, as well as Russia's annexation of Crimea and the rise of pro-Russian separatist groups in the eastern Donetsk and Luhansk oblasts or provinces. So the United States has been providing aid to neo-Nazis in Ukraine since at least 2015. Mm-hmm. That is the bottom line. Right. With the support of former President Barack Obama, Congress at the time removed a ban on providing funding to neo-Nazi groups like the Azov Battalion from its year-end spending bill. Biden recently signed off on an emergency spending package for re- Ukraine that includes over $3.5 billion to purchase and transfer military supro- supplies. Supporting Ukraine's neo-Nazis serves the U.S.'s own interests, says Li Wei, an expert on national security issues at the China Institute of Contemporary International Relations. Wait, can you repeat that? Supporting Ukraine's neo-Nazis serves in the U.S.'s own interests. Mm-hmm, that's what she says. Okay. By inciting conflicts between Ukraine and Russia, the U.S. has weakened Russia further and pushed Ukraine to NATO. It has also improved its relationship with Europe, which has become more strategically dependent on the U.S. The U.S. is really the biggest beneficiary of Russia-Ukraine tensions. Yeah, until Russia decides to turn on us. Right. Idiotic people. Elites tease our new world order. (laughs) We're saying tease. The elites are right flat out calling it what it is. Right. They've named it the New World Order at this new global summit. This global summit is actually named the World Government Summit. Yep. So, there was a conspiracy theory once that there was a world government that wanted to get rid of the American currency, mm-hmm. and have a one-world currency and a one-world government. Hmm. Sounds familiar. Hmm. Maybe. I think I've heard that somewhere. What? Revelation, I, maybe? Uh, it's just got to be a conspiracy theory. No, it's just a conspiracy theory. But now the elites are talking about it. Global elites actually have the guts to title their first session at the World Government Summit, Are We Ready for a New World Order? Mm-hmm. Glenn Beck pays, plays some clips from this shocking event in which some of the world's most powerful leaders talked about more supply chain disruptions, energy system difficulties, and the U.S. digital dollar, mm-hmm. similar to China's, something even the New York Times now admits could be on the way soon. <laughs> it's time for Americans to stop saying this could never happen here, Glenn says, because this summit proves Anything is possible, and it's already happening. 
So we're going to round out Truman's Matrix with this last clip here from Glenn Beck on shocking words from the global elites. We also need to pay attention to what is happening uh, around us. I told you a minute ago, the World Government Summit. Wait, I, the what? The World Government Summit happened um, yesterday in Dubai. Uh, and it was the um, introduction uh, session yesterday. And, it, I mean, all the people that, you know, are the usual people were there. Huge crowd, gigantic theater with very, I mean, all of the critical, important people. And it was kicked off by, lo and behold, Klaus Schwab. Here's what he said. We do not yet know the full extent and the systemic and structural changes which will happen. Now listen to this. However, we do know that global energy systems, food systems, and supply chains will be deeply affected. Got it? We are changing things, and we don't know how that'll go. But we do know the global energy system, the food system, and the supply chains will be deeply affected. Well, but other than that, don't worry about it. It's only food energy and how we get things but other than that we're good this is the arrogance of the elites now one of the topics uh, their first session was are we ready for a new world order are they trolling us i think the reason why they're naming this is because a they they really mean it it is a new world order But they also see an advantage of calling it the New World Order instead of the Great Reset, which it absolutely is. The New World Order, they call it that because that way when I say it to you and you're like, did you hear about the global government where their first session was, are we ready for the New World Order? Everybody rolls their eyes. Uh Aha. But uh, here it is. Day one World Government Summit yesterday in Dubai Here's the first session. Are we ready for a new world order? And the title of this session, are we ready for a new world order? Well, the organizers here are nothing if not ambitious. This is, I think you will agree, a daunting subject for discussion at just after 9 a.m. on a Wednesday morning here in the relative calm of Expo 2020. But tackle it, we must. Because I believe what is clear is that we have hit an inflection point. We are certainly living in a unique age of uncertainty Mm. and volatility Mm -hmm. in global affairs. That is weird because it's almost exactly what Joe Biden said last week. Remember, we're at an inflection point that only happens once in a generation, maybe a little longer. So they're all talking the same game. And for anyone who says, ah, digital money, digital money, (laughs) it's it's like Bitcoin. No, it's not. Well, it'll never happen here. Okay, here they are yesterday. Uh, Pippa, uh, Pippa Malgram She's an economist and former presidential advisor in the U.S. Speaking yesterday at the World Government uh, Summit, 
talking about the new digital money. What underpins a world order is always the financial system. Mm. Uh, I was very privileged. My father was an advisor to Nixon when they came off the gold standard in 71. And so I was brought up with a kind of inside view of how very important the financial structure is to absolutely everything else. And what we're seeing in the world today, I think, is we are on the brink of a dramatic change where Mm. we are about to, and I'll say this boldly, we're about to abandon the traditional system of money and accounting and introduce a new one. That's and a the new one, dollar. the new accounting, is what we call blockchain. It mm. means digital. Listen it is. means having a almost perfect record of every single transaction that happens <gasps> in the economy, which will give us far greater clarity over what's going on. It also raises huge dangers in terms of the balance of power between states and citizens. In oh. my opinion, we're going to need a digital constitution of human rights if we're going to have digital money. Uh, But also, this new money will be sovereign in nature. Most people think that digital money is crypto and private. But what I see are superpowers introducing digital currency. The Chinese were the first. The US is on the brink, I think, of moving in the same direction. The Europeans have committed to that as well. And the question is, will that new system of digital money and digital accounting accommodate the competing needs of the citizens of all these locations so that every human being has a chance Mm. to have a better life. Because that's the only measure of whether a world order really serves. Yeah, I don't think so. Um, But just to build on that, again, for anyone who thinks that I am crazy, you can now quote the New York Times. Not only is the the New World Order, the Global Government Summit yesterday talking about this. But here's the New York Times. Central banks around the world are experimenting with issuing digital replacements for cash in the form of central bank digital currencies. But those are, by and large, not anonymous. Let me say that again. But those are, by and large, not anonymous. In January, a white paper from the Federal Reserve made it clear any digital currency it issued would differ materially from cash, which enables anonymous transactions, end quote. What does that mean? Let me translate. If the Fed issues a digital currency, which the president is now asking the Fed in a executive order to explore... They've already explored it. They have a white paper that's 78 pages long. They're on their own website. They put it there in January. They don't need to explore it. And they said that the Fed coin will differ materially from cash because no purchase will be anonymous. To some people, to some people, the loss of privacy is no big deal especially if the death of cash makes life harder on criminals who often do business using stacks of $100 bills to avoid detection by the authorities. Representative Stephen Lynch, a Democrat from Massachusetts, a former iron worker who represents a part of Boston and its southern suburbs, isn't soft on crime, but he doesn't like the idea of banks and governments being able to track every single transaction every person makes. Quote, we're trying to preserve some 
element of anonymity and not have full spectrum surveillance of every aspect of people's lives, end quote. This is from a Democrat. This is in the New York Times. Please don't say it's a conspiracy. And please don't say it could never happen here. Don't ever say those things again. You must understand we are living in a very different world. All of the old rules are gone. Everything that you thought you knew to be true, as I said, what you thought would it was solid is liquid. Everything that you thought was liquid is now solid. The world is completely inside out and upside down. So, what is his uh, plan? Well, Lynch introduced a bill directing the Department of Treasury, rather than the Federal Reserve, to develop an experiment with issuing digital dollar technologies. Oh, okay. So, we don't want the Fed to have all that information, but the Treasury can have all of that information. Yeah, because the government wouldn't ever do anything with that information. That is not the solution. The solution, if you want a digital currency, then use blockchain. You want a digital currency, then you use Bitcoin. And you leave the off-ramp people alone. This is the final grab of total power globally. You need to understand it. You need to brush up on it. And you need to stand against it. You also need to prepare for a time when this does happen. What are you going to do? Most people will just go along with it because they'll say what people always say at times like these. Well, it's not going to get any worse than this. They'll never do that. I urge you to watch last night's show, my uh, TV Wednesday night special on Blaze TV. It was really, really funny. Classic chalkboard funny stuff. Um, however, I, I laid out on the chalkboard. In fact, I want to play that clip later on in the program. I laid out on the chalkboard all the things that we all said could never happen. It, I spent 15 minutes before the show just writing them down off the top of my head. There are so many more than this. But once you see the list, you'll be like, holy mother. Wake up and make the decisions. Are you fine with somebody watching over and having a digital currency, a programmable digital currency that will control everything? By the way, uh, this article in the New York Times goes on to say it's reestablishing the Treasury Fiscal Authority as a starting point at first it's a very small scale but it's a window in how you might design similar stuff in the future it's very mmt modern monetary theory wake up read the book the great reset it's all in there and that's going to do it for this edition of truman's matrix a podcast built around the craziest headlines around the world. A production of Digging Deeper Media, owned by Hale Multimedia. You can find Digging Deeper with Brian Hale on your favorite podcast network. Or visit all of our podcasts under one roof at diggingdeeper.us.
And one more thing. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night.